Welcome to Pageant Planets Podcast, where we share stories and strategies to help expand and connect the global pageant community. Visit pageantplanet.com to find pageants, hire coaches, shop for dresses, and more. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome, everyone, to another Pageant Planet Podcast. This is the podcast for contestants who want to be inspired and discover how to win the crown. Today, Jesse Ledoux McMullen, our queen of coaching, and myself are covering how to stay focused if your pageant has been postponed. In April or so, Stephen and I discussed on a podcast how to prepare for your virtual pageant. And at that time, there were a ton of state pageants lined up to qualify for nationals that kind of were stuck in this timeline that had no choice uh, to move forward and they couldn't be skipped because there was a national pageant that was coming. So a lot of directors uh, move forward with having qualifying pageants on Zoom. And we saw many national international pageants get moved from the summer or I guess the late spring to the very late fall and even the winter to allow for more clarity on the global pandemic. But some pageants... I don't know if you've heard this too, Stephen, moved an entire year out. So imagine prepping for your pageant for months and months and months, and then being told you have to wait an entire another year. So it's an incredibly long time to be preparing for a pageant. So staying focused enough to stay on track is even harder when you have such a long timeline, I think. Yeah. I mean, like Miss, Miss World did that. I mean, they didn't have a pageant this year. They skipped. And I think... Uh... Did Miss Earth do it too? Gosh, there was a bunch of them. They're kind of bleeding together which ones are doing yes. virtual. Um, so, but yeah, it skipped a whole year. And then at that point, you're just like, okay, I was ready to go next month, but now I've got 13 months into my pageant, which, I mean, there's got to be all kinds of mixed emotions with that for the you know, contestant competing. So you've got um, five tips for us. So let's go ahead and dive into the first tip of, of pretty much how we can stay focused because now, I mean, it was next month and now you got to recalibrate because you got 13 months. So what's the first tips that you got for us? Yeah, for sure. When, when you're only a few months away from your pageant, you might remember that one of my strategies is to tie different categories of prep to each day of the week. So for example, Monday could be walking day, Tuesday, platform day, Wednesday, wardrobe day, Thursday, interview day. You get the idea. So you're going to take these daily goals that you had set when you were in crunch time and you're going to make them monthly goals instead. So I'm seeing a lot of contestants experiencing burnout due to the constant uncertainty around their pageant and now the timeline changing. So if you're preparing as aggressively as you should be with those daily goals that you're setting for yourself, that level of energy, I don't know about you, Stephen, it doesn't seem sustainable to me at all. Like you will not make it if that happens. So don't be so hard on yourself if you feel like you need to take a step back a tiny bit from your routine. It's healthy and necessary. And you just don't want to lose all the amazing progress that you've built to that point. Because I can see people just being like, okay, well, I'm done. I'm going to go back to real life for like the next four months and then I'll get back to it. You don't want to do that either. Yeah. And when you said, I don't know about you, but that's not sustainable. And I made this ugly face. I was like, shaking my head in disgust, like not even close. You know, if you look at, I mean, marathon runners, they don't start off the race sprinting. They start off like a lot slower pace than a sprinter. And, you know, if your pageant's a month away, you're pretty much in sprint mode versus 13 months away, you're in marathon mode. So you don't start sprinting until like the last, like, you know, three or four weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started working with this new trainer at the gym and he incorporated something which I had never done before 
um, but it's active rest. So I, I do my workout program for four weeks and it's hard. And then the fifth week is an active rest. Now, I'll explain what that is in a moment, but before I do, like one of the challenges I had when I went to the gym is that there was no end to the hard workouts. It was like workout, 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 work, and every day was just like, <laughs> like, and then you're just going from one um, hard workout to the next versus active rest. You do the exact, so on week five, you do the same workout as like the fourth week, but you're pretty much doing one to two reps and um, one to two sets for every exercise. So you're still in the gym, but it's pretty much like you have some blood pumping, but you're not exhausted at all. And by the end of that week, you're like ready to get back at it. And so it helps me have more consistent workouts throughout the um, the whole process. And I would encourage you to do something similar with your um, pageant uh, training. So for example, if you were doing, if you had that sharp regimen and you follow what Jesse said, okay, Monday's interview, Tuesday's walking. Uh, Wednesdays, whatever, um, then you could still do it, but then um, only do like if Monday is your interview, you could say um, active rest where you just flip over an interview question or maybe you just do one a day or maybe you do um, Monday is interview and then Monday of the next week is walking, etc. So you're doing something weekly, but not necessarily daily. Um, and then also reduce the time. So the whole premise of it is you want to reduce the, the time spent and you want to reduce the frequency spent so that you can, again, last longer and you're not burnt out. Exactly. So instead of daily plans, you're going to do monthly plans. So like Steven said, like maybe Wednesdays are the lightest day of the week for you. Make that your pageant prep day. So assign Wednesdays, all the categories we just talked about. So the first Wednesday of the month is interview. The next one is platform. The third one is appearances, whatever your personal categories are and dedicate an hour or two each week on that day to staying sharp in that category. So you're taking the work you do daily and extend it out to once a week. Yeah. Also, just as a side note, uh, if, if you're living in America and your pageant got postponed to 2021, Kind of be thankful because interview, especially if you're, if your oh interview my gosh, was al- so right. allowed to cover the news right now between COVID and the election between Trump and Biden and like all the like crazy stuff that's going on there. I mean, be thankful because that would have been I, there. That would have been stressful preparing for all that. Oh, you're absolutely right. An election year is the most stressful interview year ever. I didn't even think about that, but it is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And like, do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? What do you think? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, all these kinds of levels of questions, like, again, be thankful. For sure. All right. So that was number one. Number one was set monthly plans instead of like weekly or daily plans. What's the, what's the second strategy they can do to protect themselves? Yeah. The second one is work in batches. So now that you've set your monthly plans, I want you to see just how much you can work in batches. What I mean by that is if you plan to book appearances, for example, try to book as many in one sitting as you can, and don't be afraid to book several months out. So if your hope is to do one appearance per week, and remember that can either be a digital appearance or an impersonal in-person appearance, see if you can book four in one sitting. So it's September, it's the end of September right now, so it'll be October, um, maybe by the time you're hearing this. So 
think like two months out. So you say, okay, I'm going to book all of my November appearances during this block. Um, and then identify the steps that you have to do to achieve just one appearance booking. So the first thing, like look at your community calendar or a volunteer page, contacting the staff, do that all at once for several weeks out. So you have a full calendar collectively. It'll take less time because think about all that time. You got to get focused. You got to ramp up. You got to do the searching every single time you do it. The time adds up and, and true, like in true fashion as well. Like we're talking about burnout here. You might book one like, yeah, I booked an appearance this week and then not do that task again. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't have the energy to book this appear more appearances. And like, I don't need to because my passion's not coming up. So it just allows you to um, forego excuses. And you can also use the strategy for planning out your social media content all at once or like schedule your mock interviews all at once too. Yeah. And uh, one thing about appearances and then one thing about um, working in batch. So if you were not aware through your contestant profile on pageant planet, you can now get paid appearances. Um, we, this was in the works for a while, but it just happened to roll out during COVID. But there are some places in the world that are opened up and, you know, things like appearances and stuff are, are, are fine. It's not affected. So, um, but even if you are in America, there are some places like within America where, again, like you can still do like appearances because there are still smaller, smaller gatherings, gatherings. So if you have a challenge with your director not being supportive and helping you find appearances, know that you can just log on through your um, contestant profile, click uh, manage products, and then you can add um, an appearance as a product to your profile. So when um, somebody is looking to say like, who's my you know reigning Miss California USA? Who's my reigning Miss uh, Peru International? Um, they can find your profile and then hire you, like pay you money and that money comes into your pageant planet bank and then we wire transfer that over to you um, after you make that appearance. So um, it's just a way for you to collect money and get paid for your appearances. And it's at no cost to you. You can do it uh, for free through your uh, profile. What we do is um, if we're able to get you booked, then we keep a percentage of that and all that's laid out in your profile. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, so it's just, you know, it's a way for you to get modeling gigs, appearances, all that good stuff. So, well, think, think about okay. it too. Sorry, like mm -hmm. outfits are huge for pageant contestants. And if you are like getting ready for an appearance and you try on 14 outfits, you're like, oh, I, I love this, but I'm not going to wear it now. Remember that like you've now mentally cataloged that outfit. So even if it comes to wardrobe selection, pull all your stuff out and just try on stuff for two hours, write it all down and be like, okay, cool. Now I have eight new outfits that I don't need to think about before I go to my next appearance. Perfect. Yeah. And Jesse and I do, um, we work in batches like pageant planet. This is a strategy that I, we, as a staff, we, we try to implement as much as possible. And so even when we're, if Jesse and I are doing one podcast, it takes us an hour. If we're doing three podcasts, it takes us about an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. So we decide, oh, well, let's just start batching them together so that we can go through these and get like three weeks worth of done, um, podcasts done for basically 30 minutes more of an investment because we banter 
how was your weekend? Yeah, I just got back from vacation. So she was asking me about that and I was asking her about her and Kevin and what's going on. So, um, you know, we have a lot of banter, but the more work that we have, the less we banter and the more efficient that we can do. So it, it's just, this is applicable skill, um, even post pageant. So highly For recommend sure. it. Yeah. All right. So we have now set monthly plans, work in batches. What's the third way that people can t- protect themselves from just, gosh, helping them to stay focused? Yeah. The third one is have dedicated pageant time. And because, because winning your pageant is probably a passion for you, it can be really easy for pageant busy work to take over when you could or should be doing unrelated tasks. Like for example, when I was younger and I was like working part-time jobs and I had access to the internet, like I'd constantly be shopping for like pageant dresses, which like I'm not focusing on anything at that point. And I'm really not spending too much time or energy in either one. So like as a result, you're interrupting your day-to-day productivity. So like I wasn't being as efficient as I should have been in my job at that time, my part-time job. And then, and then like I'm inserting pageant prep as my daydream. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, I did so much pageant prep today. But in reality, I didn't do diddly squat. Like nothing I did was consequential. And you want to avoid this for a few reasons. First, like I said, you're not giving anything your full attention because you know you're supposed to be doing something else. And half-baked pageant prep is about as efficient as not doing it at all. And then the last piece of this is since you have so much time, don't allow other aspects of your life to suffer for your title. At this rate, you have many months to work toward your title and there's plenty of time on the calendar for you to do it all. So let every aspect of your life have its own moment to shine because once your pageant is all said and done, you have to go back to real life. So don't allow things to suffer when you do have the ability to elongate your prep um, over this extended period of time. Yeah. And if you're not present where you are, that is one of the major drivers in misery. Uh, Yogi Berra, who's like this former professional baseball player and is credited with a lot of crazy quotes that are just seem dumb. But the more you think about it, you're like, wow, it's actually pretty insightful. But he said, everywhere you go, there you are. And that's true physically, right? But it's not always true mentally. So what happens most of the time when people are at work, like Jesse for a part-time job, she's at work physically, but mentally she's doing her pageant, right? And then when she's doing her pageant prep work, physically she's doing her pageant prep work, but then mentally she wants to be watching TV or like hanging out with Kevin. So it's, it's being present to where you are in that moment. And you'll find that you're way more efficient. You get it done. Um, well, that's redundant. Get it efficient mm. and you get it done faster. Um, but also you just have more peace around it and you can be present and in, in the moment. And, and really that is a, one of the best ways to develop more peace in your life. Just everywhere you go, just be there. Don't be elsewhere. Don't be, if you're hanging out with friends and family, be with them. Plan your phone when you're on your personal time. Like text mm-hmm. your friends. Like I see this with this one person who's in my life. When I'm with this individual, they will text other people that's not there. And then when I'm not with them, they will be texting me. Mm. I'm like, hang out with who you're with. Like, that's always kind of been baffling to me. But, you know, for some people, they can see it. And hopefully you can, too. Yeah, that's a great point. And I do know people like that as well. It's like the, the FOMO syndrome. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't. That's I don't, fear of missing out for those that don't know what FOMO means. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I don't I don't get that. Um, but that's kind of the age that we're living in, and if you don't resist it, you'll fall into it. Yep, for so. sure. All right. So, what's the fourth strategy you've got for us? So the fourth is don't over rehearse. And this is a big one, if not the biggest one, because if you over prepare for your pageant, there's a term in the industry called pageant patty. Steven, have you heard that phrase before? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. It describes a contestant who has overdone their prep. They've likely memorized their answers or they look robotic on stage and lost all of that natural charm and personality that they probably once had because they've just rehearsed the life right out of themselves. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I feel like pageants right now are at an all-time high for valuing authenticity. Do you feel like that too? Absolutely. So being over-rehearsed is like a deal breaker for a lot of judges, especially for, like for me, if I see four girls do the exact same theme, thing in a row, I'm like, oh, give me something different. Like I'm done with the butt capes. Like I'm so done with the butt cape in fun <laughs> fashion. Like give me something different. Um, so if you're rehearsing and you find yourself reenacting like really amazing, spontaneous moments, that's the first sign that you're at risk of losing your glow. So like, you're like, Oh shoot. Like when I did this in my last pageant, like I thought I looked so effortless and elegant. Well, you probably looked effortless and elegant because you weren't planning that thing. So now you've yeah. planned it and it just like loses the vibe. Yeah. Agreed. Did, uh so wait, before you continue, yeah. will you, because we get, we have a lot of newbies. Will you, um, say what a butt cape is for those of you that they might not know the trend. They might not know what a butt cape is. Yeah. So this is, um, I don't know if I coined this term or someone else did, but I, I use it and I love it, but basically, um, it's a cape that starts at your waist. Um, it can be both an evening gown and fun fashion, but basically contestants use it during mostly fun fashion, like swing it around to show like an effect whatever capes, especially in the last two years became really, really popular on stage. So it's like, okay, I bought this cocktail dress or this jumpsuit and I don't think it's dramatic enough. So I'm going to add a butt cape because I think it might make it look fun fashion. And usually it's like, okay, this is the fourth jumpsuit with the butt cape I've seen, or it's a regular cape from the shoulders, but butt capes are more, um, I think normal. So it's like, just ugh, when, when everyone does it, it's just not as exciting. Right. Yeah. And so, and that's the thing, everybody wants to be different and at the same time is scary to be different. So sure. <laughs> the, that's the, the, uh, the, the, bound, the, the challenge. Um, <clears throat> If you've ever been to a restaurant, I mean, have you been in the restaurant and somebody comes up and they talk to the table using server voice? Um, where What's they're like, what, give me an <clears throat> example. So, uh, for those of you that don't know, I used to wait tables. I mean, I wait tables on and off for gosh, eight, nine years. Um, but when somebody comes to the table, it's like, oh my gosh, how are you guys doing today? And ah. they, it's over high pitched and it's just the voice sounds fake. And you're like, that's just cringeworthy to me. Cause I'm like, just talk. Like I'm, I'm yes, I want a cup of coffee, please. Um, so hmm. just the whole server voice. And then when it, pageant Patty voice, you know, comes in, it's very similar. Um, and where it's higher pitched, it's more kind of Valley girl driven and it just comes across as inauthentic, which makes me just subconsciously just question everything, every answer that you give as like, is that true or have you been practicing that for two months? Sure. Yeah. But you've got some <laughs> bullet points to like help people not answer like that. Yeah. So when you're talking about interview, 
instead of writing out or memorizing word for word your answers to a lot of popular questions like, why should you win this title? What makes you stand out? Tell me about your platform. Tell me about yourself. If you're memorizing those, that's the first step. Judges, no. It takes a really, really special and seasoned contestant in a different way to be able to say something for the hundredth time and make it sound fresh. So it's not impossible, but I will say most people do not have that gift. So that's the first thing to keep in mind. You want to bullet point your topics instead of memorizing them. So when you're talking about those answers we just talked about, why do you want to win? What makes you stand out? It should sound different every time. You can say the same key points, but you don't have to worry about like arranging it in the right order or making it sound fluid. Like the judges don't care. They're looking for the substance. So that's the first thing you can do. And from an onstage standpoint, focus more on developing the inner aura that you want to project. Working just on the movements like the giggle shrug, which is like contestants have their hands on their <laughs> hips and they like giggle and like ugh, shrug their shoulders a little bit. Like Shandy Finnessy did that when she became Miss USA. It was like incredible. And then every single person has done it since. So again, just like we talked about with the contestants who've said the same thing a hundred times and it sounds different each time, same deal. You just don't want to practice these motions because again, the judges will know. It won't look like someone in the audience made you laugh and you're chuckling. It'll look like, okay, I think that that person feels like they have to do that to look spontaneous. So instead it's like, okay, my vibe is bubbly and fun. Like just think that as you're on stage instead. And as you rehearse, practice expressing that and it'll shine. It'll shine through. Yeah. And especially like with the, the giggle shoulder shrug, if five girls have done it with you, or done it before you've walked on stage and then you do it, it's like, okay, now it's like they all are working with the same coach right. or whatever. So even if it like, let's say happenstance, it did come across organically for you. It's going to look fake because everybody did it at the exact same turn, etc. So yes. um, come up with a different way to, to make yourself stand out. Yeah. yeah. So if you're contestant number one, go for it. Everything after that, it's like you're at your own risk. <laughs> yeah, indeed. The one benefit of being contestant number one. I shouldn't yeah. say the one. There, there are many benefits, but it's always like, a, oh, man, contestant number one. Yeah. It, it's it, Yeah, because you got to break the ice. Yes. Yeah, you got to break the ice. Um, all right. So that was, that was the fourth one. What's the, what's the last strategy you've got for us? The last one is date yourself. And more often than not, contestants that I work with can nail platform questions, current event questions, like no problem. They spend all their time and energy focusing there. However, when I ask them about their personality, their likes, their interests, their hobbies, they get so tripped up. And the reason this happens, and it happens consistently, mind you, like it's not like a, a once in a while thing. It's like every time hmm. contestants usually see those questions and preparation. So they're going through like our list of 133, 233 questions. And they're like, oh, these are easy ones. I don't need to practice those. Like I know the answer. And they assume in that moment, they'll be able to come up with something. And you'd be shocked at the amount of people with the famous like, oh, that's a great question in order to stall because they're like, oh my gosh, what is my favorite movie? I have no idea. <laughs> and even worse, sometimes they respond with a super generic answer and I've learned absolutely nothing about them and a question that could be all about them, they've wasted. So um, so what does this sound like? So Stephen, I'll actually have you demonstrate if you don't mind. Nope, I'm good. 
All right. So let's, let's, um, start here. So you're, you're stalling, um, okay. or I guess both, you can be stalling and generic. So okay. Steven, what's your favorite movie? Oh, wow. That, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, I really don't watch a lot of movies. I'm more of a Netflix person, so I can't really actually think of the last movie I saw. Oh, oh. <laughs> cringe worthy. I so cringe and like, oh my gosh. Well, so, so here's the difference. Like if Steven would have said my favorite movie is what's your favorite movie, Steven Braveheart. And why can you think of why? Uh, it's a combination of war and history and, um, and there's a, like a nice little love story that ties it all in. So it was like three of my favorite things. Beautiful. So, okay. Wow. We learned that Steven likes history, that he like studies that and he's got like a soft heart because he likes romance. Those are all things he learned just by explaining what his favorite movie was. So he knew in the moment what it was. He didn't have to think about it and explain it. So I'm like, oh, you know, I've never seen Braveheart. Now I'm thinking, should I go watch Braveheart? Or I'm thinking, oh, wow, like, let me ask a follow-up question about history because I also like history. So don't underestimate those little details that make connections with judges that you are missing out on if you have nothing to say. So take this extra time as a luxury to really understand who you are. One of my favorite uh, homework assignments to give contestants is go on Pinterest and don't search interview questions, search first date questions Hmm. and reconnect with your preferences and your passions. Um, There's actually a song by Mandy Moore called Gardenia. And it's all about her relearning who she is and what she likes. And it's a beautiful song in general. So I highly recommend pulling up Spotify, listening to it after this podcast, but it's so powerful to know who you are and not feel like you have to fit into this mold of this pageant contestant. So again, maybe my, as a pageant title holder, maybe my favorite movie is a war related movie. That's okay. It doesn't have to be Miss Congeniality or Legally Blonde or any of those (laughs) other like girly, girly movies. Use examples to things that really define who you are. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be you. I really like that about um, search date questions because when you're on a date, um, you know, back when I used to date, um, I would, there was two different types of girls. There was the girls that would just answer my question. Like we were in interview, you know, and some of the girls I dated were pageant girls, right? You date where you work. But, um, and it was just like, they just answer the question and like, wait for the next question. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But then there's other girls that I'd ask the question, they would take it, elaborate. And then I'm like, oh, okay. Like it's a tennis match. Like conversation should be a good tennis match. You know, I, I ask you a question is basically I hit the verbal ball to you. You answer the question in such a way where you hit the verbal ball back to me so that it keeps the, the match going. And then like when when the ball falls off the court, then you serve up another question, right? another verbal tennis ball. So um, an interview, oftentimes I feel like these, these new contestants, they don't elaborate anything. And that's basically mm-hmm. the point you've been trying to get across um, in all of our, our different podcasts. So the thing about the date question really connects with me because as a as a contestant in that room with the judges, you, you both are dating. You're kind of like feeling each other out. Do I like you? Do you like, is this a good fit? I mean, it is a little bit like a date. And like, if you don't connect with that person, if you don't kind of fall in love with them um, in that moment, then you're never going to hire them for the job if you're the judge. Um, So you got to give them something to make them fall in love with you. Yeah. I always like some, when I'm preparing for mock interviews for clients, I usually have like one 
I, tr I prepare like obviously extra questions, but my ideal is like a question per minute of the interview between like that and a, a question and a half. And if I get through all those questions and I got to twiddle my thumbs, like, yo, you got to elaborate on some stuff because <laughs> some contestants I can get through five when like our first early sessions, like they'll do a minute interview and get five questions. I'm like, do you think I know anything about you right now? After that, like you just sped through, answered the question, moved on, nothing specific, no details, no romancing, no storytelling. Oh, like, oh, we have to fix this. So keep that in mind when you're doing your interview prep, like you should be able to bring storytelling, visuals, all of like paint that picture of who you are, what your life is like. Yeah, don't, don't lose an opportunity to sell yourself. So good. And, and the other thing, since we're talking about interview and um, I was watching some things in the, pre the upcoming presidential election for those of us living in America, um, but all like both Biden and Trump, they're all like preparing for uh, Tuesday night when the presidential debate happens. And like they're basically doing interview prep. I mean, it's slightly different because the debate, but they know what the other question like points that the question that the other their opponent is going to be doing they're going back and forth they're thinking about rebuttals i'm like wow this is not dissimilar to what contestants do when they're preparing for interview and like here you, you're happening at the highest level of government where it's basically interview prep and that's all that you're doing here so and this is going to serve you oh it's going to serve you so well if you're not already in the market to like hunting for jobs etc um, pageantry, you are going to be forever grateful for the time that you took to really fine tune your interview. Cause you're going to interview out, you're going to out interview anybody else in the room for that particular position. Like, woe is the man or woman who does mm -hmm. not have pageant background, who has to compete against a pageant girl for any job anywhere yep. in the world. Amen. Yeah. Okay. So if you were to pretty much wrap this up, like yeah. in summary, how would you do that? I'd say uh, if you allow your pageant prep to take over your life in this extra time, you are absolutely running the risk of overdoing it and burning out, none of which will serve you in your quest for the crown. So I'm assuming that you were ready for your pageant by the time you learned it'd be postponed. And if that said, you should make sure your strategy is perfected now and you can coast. As you get closer, you can gear up again, but enjoy this time to be the best title holder you can be with strategy, planning, preparation, so that you're ready to nail it when you're in front of the judges. That's perfect. And thank you for listening. And if you've received any benefit from this particular show or from one's pre previous, please consider giving us a five-star review. It really might seem like a small action, but it does help us keep the show going. So until next time, take care. Want to become a part of pageant history? Create a free contestant or business profile on pageantplanet.com to unlock hidden features and connect with other experts throughout the world.